Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Caregiver and Physician Conversations, sponsored by eCareDiary.com. I am your host, Marjorie Pabst. Please visit my website at mycaregivingcoach.com for many, many resources related to your personal advocacy as a caregiver and to your well-being as well. Today, I am joined by Dr. Kesavan Kuti, a physician from the American College of Physicians, known to many of you who listen to our show regularly. Dr. Kuti always comes to us with a wealth of information and best practices. Today's show is no exception. Our topic, Getting Bad News from the Doctor, Guidelines for Caregivers. Today's program is part one, exploring this topic. We will provide more information later in the show about part two, which will be broadcast on Tuesday, August 12th at 2 p.m. Eastern. Welcome, Dr. Kuti. Thank you, Marjorie. Uh, First and foremost, it's a pleasure to be here at your radio show today. Thank you for inviting me back. Second, I'm a member of the American College of Physicians, but I'm not representing the college today since the college president is the only spokesperson for the college. Uh, I also don't have any conflicts of interest to disclose. Last but not least, it is good to be back to discuss a topic rarely mentioned and one that caregivers and their loved ones need for their personal advocacy during illness. I also want to clarify that this is a big topic and uh, might not represent all situations and might not, uh, might not be applicable to all of them. Exactly. Uh, these are all general tips which apply more often than not, but certainly not to everyone. And uh, Dr. Kuti, as you mentioned, this is a, a topic that's rather rare to discuss. And uh, that's an odd thing, I think. You and I came upon this topic Uh, during a conversation some while back and said, well, you know, this is something that people need to know about. So um, let me begin our discussion by asking you, who should be told first? I think this is uh, um, an issue. Um, You know, who should be told first when a person is ill? Um, Tell us about that. Uh, Certainly. I do vividly recall our conversation. Um, When we say about when a person is ill, I'm taking it into a very specific subset of when there is bad news to be given. So within that context, uh, you know, the the question that you asked is a knife that cuts both ways. Generally, the patient should be told first, um, and uh, but there are situations when a different approach may be appropriate. It may be important, especially when one is not that familiar with the patient, to check with the family member, often the caregiver, to determine how the patient will take the info and just how much to give. Uh, Patients vary widely on how much detail they want. and some of them may be very limited in their ability to grapple the information um, and might have unforeseen reactions to them. No matter 
what the approach, it is important that the patient be told the truth. The patient should be given time to ask questions, and his or her answer, his or her questions, uh, must be answered honestly and clearly. Yes, and um, so what are some good questions for the caregiver to ask? You know, let's uh, say the situation is the doctor says, um, "I have some." Um, a diagnosis for you that is certainly negative, and here it is. Um, and usually I think doctors give it in a rather succinct way, you know, here's, here's the diagnosis. So what are some good questions for the caregiver to ask at the outset? Well, yes, the caregiver must uh, pay attention to um, how much information does my loved one want and that information should be passed on to the physician, how much detail. Um, like an email, you know, you've, you've seen some patients only just want the headers. Yeah, or uh, a, tw- a tweet, I guess, right? Yes, a tweet yes. can be a header. Tweet, yes. Um, of course, the, the worse the news, the more necessary the detail. Um, and, of course, no one wants to have just a header uh, for example, uh, making a, using a common name, Mr. Smith, you have cancer, any questions? That sort of question is very, very inappropriate. Another question is, how will my loved one take the information? And what should I be prepared for? Uh, of course, not every caregiver anticipates what might happen in any situation and uh, particularly in this one, which is the need for this show today. Yes, yes. And, you know, um, those are really great great questions to start off with, I think, because um, bad information, a bad diagnosis could be not so bad. In other words, you know, the what should I be prepared for question could even alleviate some concern, a person thinking, oh, my gosh, you know, my loved one's on death's door, and then to only to find out that, well, you know, it isn't as dire as that. Um, so those are, those are really good questions to start off with. Um, so, Dr. Cooney, tell us, how should the patient, caregiver, family be told? I mean, what, what's kind of the context of how physicians should go about providing information? Yes, this is, a, this is a very, very important question, the, um, and uh, something for which uh, um, at least some of the uh, established physicians like myself were not specifically trained for. Uh, we watched our uh, mentors do that. You, see, you watch one, you uh, do one, you teach one. Um, but it depends on what the patient is like. Uh, does the patient, um, he or she, want to be alone with when the information is given to them or whether the, whether the patient wants a caregiver or family member present? Um, once that is decided, the doctor should really take enough time by providing an environment that is private, humane, uh, and encouraging of patient participation. Um, the, um, the, you know, uh, there should be an unhurried approach to giving this information. 
um, and the physician's body language is particularly important in this situation. It should not be someone who is standing at the doorstep with a hand, hand on the door handle and asking any, whether you have any questions because that sort of body language is completely um, uh, non-encouraging, to say the least, for patients to have any questions or clarifications uh, and might not e might even detract them from understanding the gravity of what they are being told. Uh, news, bad news should always be given in person with a family member present as much as possible. Um, and uh, I do recall a situation where uh, the patient was given bad news uh, over the phone. Uh, you know, your your blood test came out bad, so please uh, please report to the nearest uh, you know clinic in our in our um, domain or the emergency department, and they they will be briefed and they'll be able to speak to you. That sort of information delivery is very bad. Um, another one, of course, I I do remember uh, a colleague of mine. Um, a you know non-physician colleague um, came to me and asked about a referral to a an oncologist. Uh, and when I found out about that, she said that her father was recovering from abdominal surgery for diagnosis of a condition. And the second day after surgery, the surgeon walked into the room and told him that uh, you know uh, the test showed cancer, so you better get your papers in order and walked out. Um, the patient's uh, daughter called me to find out whether the oncologist that the surgeon had recommended was equally as bad or or whether I had any recommendations. So, you know, that sort of information delivery is very poor. That actually puts us, um, you know, um, in a very, very bad light. Yeah, so the, 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 the presence of the family member and the a conducive environment are both critical. That's what I'm saying. Yes, exactly. And with a family member present in this kind of really bad situation that you've given examples of, uh, with a family member present, I would think that that would be at least somewhat helpful in that the family member can uh, ask for some, you know, another set of eyes and ears, if you will. A uh, person at least would be uh, more possibly able to ask for more information, to pull the doctor back from his, putting, having his hand on the doorknob and getting him, him or her back into the room uh, to get more information, um, maybe to save the situation a bit, as it were. Yes. Yes. Um, um, the, go ahead, I'm sorry. sorry. You know, the, uh, the, uh, there are, that's, of course, a way to handle that situation as well. Um, Maybe the appropriate thing for the caregiver, if that person was there or a family member would have been to ask the surgeon, uh, I see, doctor, that you're in a hurry, so when will we be able to sit down and have a little conversation about what you had mentioned? Um, would it be possible for us to come for you to come back a little bit later when your when your hurried business is taken care of? Because I don't think my father here or my brother or sister clearly understands the gravity of the situation. Yes, very good. That yes. forces them to sit down and have a conversation and makes them realize that the information was given in a hurry. But uh, 
uh, and haste, and it, it also compels them into um, behaving in a more humane fashion. Yes. Those are great examples and, and tips. Thank you. So um, what, if, uh, what if I've got a large family? Um, how, what should caregivers and families consider when the family's large? You know, lots of siblings, lots of children in the family, uh, I mean, sisters and brothers of the uh, patient and so on. What, what does one do there? Yeah, this is a, you know, this is both uh, um, um, in individual issue, but also it's also a cultural issue. Uh, in general, the, you know, I mean, the institution where I work, this is a problem that we run into fairly constantly. Um, and, um, uh, you know, the caregiver who is usually the closest family member should provide the family dynamics to the doctor and uh, and the doctor should ask for them uh, in gen- if this is uh, being done in the office setting. In general terms, the caregiver should make certain that the room is not overcrowded and perhaps only a handful of people, if that, should be present. Uh, and the person should be chosen for uh, their ability to listen and their ability to ask questions that are important for the patient. Um, and, um, you know, the uh, persons who are present there should keep the best interest of the patient in mind. And there is always a tendency to get into a fight with the doctor because the bad news that is given uh, or to even ambush that person and to make cheap points with the patient. Uh, these um, these really, you know, leave the patient with a very, very bad memory of what happened, and that should be avoided. Um, in, in general, it's also fair for the physician to ask that uh, can we meet with a smaller group of people first, uh, because... When you have a lot of people, everybody has a different question to ask, and the patient may not be given the opportunity to ask things that are very important for that person. Those are all really good points, and it sounds like, you know, choose your family members who have the most positive communications with the rest of the family and uh, who can get it right and, as you say, listen, and then, perhaps, and then pass that information forward to those who weren't right. present. Right. But can I mention one other thing here? It is also Absolutely. important for the caregiver to not to make sure that it doesn't ha- doesn't go too way too much on the other side. In fact, by not allowing certain people to be present, you don't want to create any misgivings or misunderstandings. The caregiver afterwards should take the uh, or the family members that are present there should take the opportunity to meet with the rest of the people and inform them. In, in fairly quick order, because uh, otherwise they're likely to feel alienated. Yes, yes. Well, I know you have an example um, that we both found compelling enough to uh, share with our listeners about a manipulative family member. Would you please tell us about that, Dr. Cootie? Sure. The, the context is, is that the doctor should ask the patient to bring a family member to visit uh, especially when the bad news is being given. Uh, it is appropriate to hint that the news may not be good and the patient should have someone to bring them in and even drive them home. Uh, 
there was one one instance that the my residents brought to my attention in which uh, uh this this individual had um, a um a very late form of uh, advanced form of cancer um and uh, he he had been long estranged from his uh, wife um but they they had not divorced um but he was living in a different community uh from where his wife was living uh and he was living with his sister so his sister brought him to receive all the care and always received the information from the physicians and uh, as a very manipulative person she never shared any of that information with her uh, sister-in-law and it was really her goal to make sure that these two people never got back together for there may be in financial gain i don't know what the what the issues were um also she felt maybe loss of control but in any case when the uh bad news had to be given the physicians were in a quandary because uh they knew that his wife would need to be informed at some point but they did not have the ability to do so because the patient had not given them the permission to discuss this matter with uh, uh his 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 wife um the wife has a right to know because she's a legal person but at the same time the laws also uh favor the lack of communication with her because the patient ultimately decides who communicates with who um so even though the physician cannot speak to the patient's wife without his consent it is always a possibility for the physician to persuade the patient to do the right thing um and uh, emphasize that you know a bad illness like this is something that unites all people and there is uh, uh provide this it provides an opportunity for forgiveness and uh, healing of old wounds and it is very important that you let your wife in on this conversation um if you don't want her to be there physically but at least inform her and that she she permit her to ask me questions so that i can share the information with her that is the approach that we ended up taking yes and you know it's such a good example because um i too hear a lot of many problems are related to these kinds of family uh situations and um I I know that it's your recommendation that caregivers should provide the doctor with these kinds of family dynamics so that it helps physicians you know uh encourage patients and their loved ones to come together as you suggested. I think the more uh, caregivers provide that information uh, the better off families will be. Right, absolutely. I can't agree with you more. Yeah. So to kind of summarize where we are so far Uh Dr. Kuti has given us some key guidelines for caregivers. Um and to provide doctors with information on family dynamics, on patient personality. How much information do patients uh can they take, uh, you know, at any given time? Um and so knowing your family as you all do who are listening to us today, um you know how what those dynamics are, how much information who should be in the room as Dr. Kuti has pointed out um if you have a large family in particular so um what other guidelines would you suggest for our caregivers today Dr. Kuti well the the thing is that uh, uh 
very important to remember don't panic when you get bad news um it cert- certainly doesn't help um and uh, it actually prevents you from thinking the matter through it is all right to cry it is it is okay to shed tears um it is also all right to allow the physician uh to hold your hand um you know touch you on your shoulder um and uh, you know um and console you that is that is perfectly appropriate uh silence is a very important tool there uh sometimes you know um and and the physician should allow that and not interrupted constantly by asking how the patient is feeling or the patient shouldn't feel too uh, embarrassed by the silence it is okay uh pay attention to what you're being told uh, as you mentioned in the very beginning there's always a possibility that in the end the news may not be as bad as you first thought um the very important to ask open ended questions such as what can i expect going forward what do i need to do short term and long term what should i when and what should i tell my children um is it uh, is it appropriate that i inform people with whom i work um should i tell my employer so and some of these questions a physician may not be able to answer particularly issues related to your employment um but it is it is also a good idea not to ask how long will i have um because I mean that that question can come in due course of time but it probably is not the best uh, best uh, first couple of questions to ask um you know it is important to point out that adjustment to grief takes five stages as described in the uh model that uh, kubler ross elizabeth kubler ross um mentioned and uh, advocated and advanced these are denial anger bargaining depression and acceptance these are actually stages through which a person is taken through uh, when they are faced with grief starts with um, a denial and it ends up finally with acceptance all people may not get there um by the way garrison keeler in the famous talk show says that minnesotans go through these stages every year after the first snowfall um <laughs> Uh, nevertheless, yeah, I you know, in Minnesota, I can attest that the Garrison here was absolutely right about this. <laughs> uh, uh, nevertheless, patients and caregivers should know this uh, natural reaction to sudden bad news, and because of the initial shock, uh, they might forget to ask some questions. So, if one can't think of anything to ask about uh, the news that you're given, it is probably best to end the meeting. with the request of the doctor uh, doctor can right now i can i just can't think what to think uh it's been such bad news uh when and where can i reach you if i have questions over the next couple of days or do you think it is a good idea for me to come back in a couple of days um if so when can i when can can you give me an appointment because i did, i do need some time to think this over um and uh you know um i need that time uh so that will be that will be some of the other other tips i can i can give patients and caregivers yes 
Uh, if you don't mind, Dr. Cootie, I am just going to recite those same questions again. Or why don't you, the open-ended questions you mentioned, I think they're brilliant. And I think if our caregivers uh, jot them down, um, they are, you know, there are, what, four or five here, that if asked early on, that, that will give people, I think, a certain sense of calm and perhaps, as you mentioned, it maybe it's not as bad as one might initially think. And they're all questions that are so pertinent for the beginning of asking the doctor questions. Would you mind saying those open-ended questions again for our audience? Sure. Um, uh, what can I expect going forward? Um, what do I need to do short-term and long-term? When and what should I tell my children? Is it appropriate for me to let my employer know? Uh, is it imp important that I let uh, uh, inform people, those people with whom I work? Um, it probably is not a good first couple of questions to ask, um, you know, how long do I have? Um, and if you can't think of any questions immediately, uh, best to, uh, you know, uh, ask the doctor for more time and uh, find out when and whether when and whether you can contact the physician for more information uh, in the next couple of days. That last tip I think is so important, and you know I never would have thought of that. That it's just you know in the heat of the moment, in the panic, or if you will, of the moment, to just you know if you're the kind of person who just feels like you need to gather your thoughts, perhaps talk with other family members and so on, and then go back to the doctor in a couple of days. I think for some people that might be a very, very good suggestion. So thank you for that. But can I, may I say one other thing? In this, in this context, it's very, very, very important that the physician uh, show compassion uh, and allow enough time for the patient. Um, the... Um, and we do we do have a we do have a rehearsal for our residents in training in the in the beginning of the year we we give them a you know a mock session with an actor or actress um, and sometimes you know they uh, I mean most of the time they do a very good job with that but sometimes they show a little bit of a hurriedness in terms of their trying to communicate this issue with the patient. It's very important to observe their body language and facial expression, uh, uh, looking for a sign of a frown on their face that tells you that they didn't understand what you said. So that is where, I mean, there's another topic for another time, but the, the importance of teach back. That is, you ask the patient, um, uh, can you tell me what you understood so far? Um, because it is... Once the patients recite what they understood, they may feel more comfortable. They may think of questions to ask. So it's a responsibility for the physician to prime the pump, as the saying goes, mm -hmm. so that uh, you know these questions can come forth. Yes, that's a very good point. And um, I do know that those uh, physicians being trained right now um, in uh, 2014 are being provided more interpersonal skills, a more uh, bedside manner, if you will. I guess that's the old expression for it. But it's really, I'm happy to hear that, that, uh, that there is training in this area. Um, 
I'm afraid our time is dwindling away, Dr. Cootie, and I want to thank you so much for this incredible, important information uh, you, that you always provide to us. And in two weeks, on Tuesday, August 12th at 2 p.m. Eastern, uh, Dr. Cootie will bring us or will be back with us again for part two when we discuss topics such as inappropriate questions to ask the doctor. Dr. Cootie has always already mentioned one, but he will have more for us on the 12th. He will also discuss in more detail using silence to pace the conversation. He alluded to that this afternoon as well. What to do if the doctor uses technical language in providing his diagnosis? What do you do then? Um, Dr. Cootie will also help us uh, in with techniques on how to ask for a summary of the conversation so you and your loved ones can make sure you heard the doctor correctly, and especially if you were taking notes and so on. And finally, we are going to look at that method called teach back, which Dr. Cootie just mentioned to us. It sounds fascinating. And as he pointed out, a great way to develop more uh, dialogue and conversation, meaningful conversation with your doctor uh, during this uh, diagnosis process. So we look forward to all that information coming to us from Dr. Cootie on the 12th at 2 p.m. Thanks again, Dr. Cootie, as always, for your wonderful insight and knowledge. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. And thank you to our listeners. We look forward to being with you on the 12th, and thanks for listening today. Goodbye. Goodbye.